The statements expressed in the following program are those of the speaker. They do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the sponsor, the host, and or Olas Media. Olas Media. He's a straight shooter. He's a straight shooter ever since I met him. I think he's a straight shooter. Very mysterious guy in terms of um, who he is, like what's behind the curtains, right? And I know he's controversial now. I know not everybody likes him or agrees with him, but he does, he does good work. Olus Media presents Dear San Diego. To me, Dear San Diego is a look under the hood of San Diego's hyper-platform for newsmakers to come in and talk about who they are, their daily activities, and what makes their clocks tick. Dear San Diego. Welcome to Dear San Diego, a podcast with personality. Uh, you can find this and other shows at olasmedia.com. In this podcast, we want to interview high performers, San Diegans who we consider high performers who are active in the PR, in the political space, in the public affairs space, and even beyond that. Even beyond that, we want to have a conversation about actual events, about about current affairs. We want to have a conversation about current affairs, but we also want to know what makes them tick, what motivates them to get up every day and do what they do. And not only do it, but do it in an effective way, in an effective way where people wonder, how do they do it? How do they balance this? How do they balance being the CEO of this, the CEO of that with family life, with the, with the reality of life? That's what we want to get into it. I'm here with my co-host, Tony Manolatos, my partner in crime in uh, many campaigns, many campaigns, public affairs, and we're interviewing the great and powerful Art Castañares. Art Castañares, who I've known for a number of years now. He's the owner of La Prensa. He and I, we share, I think he's your mentor, one of your mentors, what, what is one of my political mentors, Steve Peace. Steve Peace, um, respect to Steve Peace. And, and holla at him. Um, and yeah, so we're looking forward to interviewing Art today. And with that, let's kick it away. Hey, Art, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. I hey. really appreciate you coming in here. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, it's thank fun you. to do. It's weird to be on the other side now. You're asking questions. And yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we'll see yeah. if it's fun afterwards. Yeah, let's see how it goes. <laughs> Shoot. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, obviously, the you know, the folks in the bubble, even outside of the bubble, uh, know you for your work as a journalist, um, but you had a life before that. Um, so before we get into La Prensa and, and uh, all the great work that you do over there, I'd like to widen the lens a little bit. And can you can you just walk us through who you are, what your experience is, what your family life is like? Yeah, this is a weird... Um, a lot of people criticize me when I, when I got into La Prensa, which is going to be eight years now in September. So, you know, it goes by quick. It goes by quickly. It feels like I just started. But before that, I had spent 25 years in politics already. And so I knew a lot of people in town. I was a, a political staffer for 13 years. Uh, Juan mentioned I, I got into politics working for Steve Peace, who at the time, uh, 1989, I was uh, 17 years old. I was in high school. And the real connection to politics for me is Steve Peace's mom. She was an English teacher of mine in high school. And I knew nothing about politics. My parents were never involved in politics. And this Which little high school, where, where was this? Uh, Hilltop Lancers in Chula Vista. There you uh, go. Hilltop High. And I grew up right down the street. My parents still live in the same house where I lived all my life in Chula Vista. And so I meet this little old lady who was in her, I think, like 35th year of teaching. And she didn't know me. I didn't know her. And I had an English class with her. This was my junior year in high school. 
like this third, fourth day, I think, of class, she pulled me aside and she said that she taught another class that she thought would be a good thing for me to, to go do. And it was a speech and debate class. And I had no interest. It, it's really funny. I used, I'm actually pretty shy. I'm kind of an introvert. And people wouldn't believe that because I do the things I do. But I only do it because of the training that I got in high school. And that's, that's really the story of how I got here. Um, I liked her for some reason. I, I agreed to go take that class. And the first day in that class, I had to stand up in front of everybody and introduce the person that sat next to me. And it was a kid that I had known since kindergarten. And so I knew everything about him. But as soon as I stood up there in front of the class and people giggling and right whatever the 17-year-olds sure, sure. do, it was the worst thing I ever did. It was torture. I was sweaty and my ears were burning. And it was one minute that felt like an hour. Public speaking is tough. It was horrible. And I sat down and you know everybody kind of laughed and giggled and everything. So at the end of the class, Mrs. Browning was her name. She was remarried, so it's not peace. So uh, Patricia Browning was her name. And she said, How, what did you think? I said, this was stupid. It was the worst thing I ever did. I'm out of here. I'm not taking this class. <laughs> she said, just stay here. Just try it. Just give it a chance. So by the end of that year, <clears throat> I was already doing competitive speeches up and down the state. And uh, I ended up really liking it. And what's really interesting, now that I will talk about the journalism stuff, but now that I tell you that, if you go back and read the pieces that I write in, in La Prensa, mostly my opinion pieces, they're more written like a speech than they are an article because my training isn't in journalism. I didn't go to journalism school. I studied economics. I got into journalism after 25 years, but my writing is really rooted in those rooted pub, in presenting it to record. people. Right. And if you think about it that way, yeah, think about how different the delivery is yeah. if it's a speech versus an article. Right. Sure. And so sometimes I've only been like two or three people that have read my pieces and, and said to me, you know, it kind of has a melody to it, like a flow. Yeah. If you actually read my articles out loud, there's like a breath. The sentences are the breath. That's cool. That's that quite a compliment and, and for, for a writer to receive. <clears throat> yeah, so so that's where it's really my my writing is informed by that experience. So at the end of that, that junior year in high school, Mrs. Browning introduced me to her son. And this is a true story. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know anything about politics. She said he's a really important guy. <laughs> he meets with the governor all the time. He's an assemblyman. I had no idea what that was. And there was no Google back then. I had no computers, right? I thought he worked on an assembly line. Sure, right. <laughs> an assembly man works on an assembly line. I remember right. thinking, what must this guy put together that's so important that he meets with the governor all the time, right? Some medical equipment. So I had no idea. Go. So <laughs> I went over to the senior, um, uh, there was a civics class. They don't even have them anymore, right? Government class. Mm -hmm. there was the the um, teacher, I hadn't taken it yet. It was the next year, but he was the tennis coach, and I took tennis. And I went to him. I said, Mr. Helton, you know who Mrs. Browning's son is? Yeah, he's a really important guy. He's an assemblyman. Still had no idea what that was. What's he it, building? Hey, what does he do? <laughs> and so I asked him, I said, what does that mean? He said, well, he's like, his explanation was the Congress of the state. That's was a, a way to, to tell a dumb kid who doesn't know anything, right? Mm -hmm. He's in Sacramento. He deals with the governor. Got it. He passes state laws. Oh, okay, got it. So at the end of that year, we had a party for the speech and debate uh, kids at my house, and Steve Peace showed up. Hmm. And he told us stories about it. he was a champion debate student in high school and he talked about how that experience helped him in politics and so on the way out he said maybe you should come intern at my office during the summer and i so that's what happened, so, so that happened. and you end up working as his chief of staff <laughs> for 13 for years i stayed in that office so yeah. i went from being the lowest person on the totem pole literally an office intern unpaid and then he, they hired me the next year when i was still in high school and i stayed there became a district rep 
uh, later became his legislative director in Sacramento, and then later became his last chief of staff. So I passed the woman who hired me as an intern. I later became her boss. That's that, awesome. So I was like 28 years old, 29 years old when I became chief of staff. And uh, I was there until he was turned out. So I spent uh, 13 and a half years with him. What motivated you to stay on that? What was it about politics? It's really funny. I wanted to be an architect. So my high school had an architecture class. Yeah, my daughter's studying architecture at Arizona I, State. I'm a frustrated I, wannabe I'll architect I'll try to convince still. her to get into engineering. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's probably better. Me. Engineering is probably a smarter way to go, but yeah. I love drawing, and I wanted to be, like I said, I was kind of an introvert. And my dream when I was mm -hmm. a kid was to sit in my office and draw buildings. Yeah, right? she's was, an introvert. She says drawing calms her it down. It did. Yeah. It, it was my thing. And I, and I, I, I was very creative. I didn't sketch a lot, but I, I really got into doing architecture. So my school had a three-year program in high school went through the three years. I applied to only architecture schools. I got into my, my choice. My number one choice was Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Mm -hmm. But by that time, I'd already been working for Steve for a while, and I got hooked on politics. That's and a great I, architecture I, school. I, yeah, that's, that is. was my dream, to go there. And I gave it up because I knew that at that point there was something about politics that intrigued me. And, you know, part of it was the excitement. I was in the office, and the mayor would walk in, and the congressman was next door, and all these important people. Well, you were working for somebody, too, that was effective and strong yeah, and good he, at his job. Yeah, at so that, that time, he was in his late 30s. That's, that makes it fun. Uh, I mean, Steve was, was energetic, and yeah. he would still throw things and, and stuff. So <laughs> it was a long time ago. So I was kind of intimidated by him. But it, but he took me, and more importantly, he took me in as a, and he mentored me. So Steve would take me to meetings that I had no business being in when I was mm -hmm. 18, 19, 20 years old. Right. And I got to sit in meetings with Willie Brown, and I met the governor, and Steve exposed me to the business in a way that, no political science degree would. And I, so I wasn't just a, like a low-level staffer. Steve, for some reason, and I think the connection with his mom, really wanted to teach me the business. Sure. And I got to see some behind-the-scenes things that you know, blow your hair. You know, it's right, just crazy right. stuff that, that then informs my decision-making, my, my view of politics. Yeah, and I, your political life uh, wasn't just limited to, to Steve. You went on to become, you were the chair of the San Diego County Democratic Party. You were a right. delegate at the uh, convention, yeah. the National <laughs> Democratic Party Convention. Yeah. So what was that like? And, and, and you really leaned into this political thing for a while. Yeah, I did. So I was a young staffer in my 20s, and I met a lot of people who, the relationships now, right? I met Nora Vargas, who's on the county uh, board of supervisors. We were both 18. Um, uh, Jose Preciado was on mm -hmm. the Tula City Council. Uh, Kevin Faulkner, he was the ASB President well, I used at, to uh, st uh, staff. Right. Yeah. So he, he was at San Diego State, and I was a high schooler, and he was in college. And so all these people that 30-some years later, we still see each other. Um, it, it just became, I really got into it. I, I'm a Democrat. And so I got into the Democratic Party, became a, uh, on the Central Committee at 26 years old, became the chair. You were 26? still at Steve's office when uh, you were doing that? At, I, took, I took some time off okay. yeah, yeah, to, to go to be chair. It was mm -hmm. like almost full time. So I was 26 years old. I took over the party raised a bunch of money, ran campaigns, and I ended up becoming a political consultant, and I've worked on dozens of campaigns. Right. I've, I've, a very, I've only lost a few. I've only been on four losing campaigns that I was part of running. How many won um, around dozen, the ballpark? Dozens. <laughs> I count them as, as election. You know, people count them as a campaign, like primary general. I count them as election nights. So one successful campaign, because they're both elections, right, a primary and a general. 
So I've counted 74 election decisions that I was involved in. That's fascinating. Between you know, wow. election nights, right? Special elections and all these things. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so in, in the political world, obviously, there's the there's the policy aspect of it. There's the campaign aspect, which is completely different. They all sort of like merge into each other. But yeah. the, the campaign one is mostly marketing, right? It's marketing. Yeah. A lot of it is choosing the right candidate. Which part did you like better? You know what? I like them equally. Uh, when I was with Steve, I got the chance when I was in the, both the legislative director and chief of staff to help draft some of these bills that Steve did. He did some incredibly important bills. Uh, the San Diego County Airport Authority only exists because Steve Peace did a bill to separate it from the port to give it some independence. It was a huge political fight. I helped write that bill and negotiate. Oh, come on. I'm sure the port was fine. Yeah, with they love that, right? We <laughs> cut them in half overnight one night. But you know, we, we did the reform of Sandag uh, back in, in uh, 2000, which created a double vote that then was undone by Lorena Gonzalez a few years ago, which has now led to a lot of controversy because right. four... It's a weighted vote now. It's, it's, a, it's a weighted vote, so yeah. four entities, the county and three cities, can run over everybody else. Steve had done a bill where that was impossible. Yeah. You had to have consensus. Mm -hmm. That was a tough bill to negotiate. So I did a lot of those things with him. All policy. No politics. All policy. Then I'd come home on Fridays with him, and then during campaign time, you had to run re-elections and, mm -hmm. and do all that. So, but, but I got to tell you, I have, I have almost a... Um, um, I don't know. I was going to say spiritual, more like a mythical belief of politics. I see it like I see the electorate like a jury. And I was involved in a civil case where I was the plaintiff and won a big lawsuit. Um, and I've also been on a jury where I was the jury foreman mm -hmm. and had to determine whether someone's going to go to prison or not. I view the electorate like a jury. How we, so? What do you mean? They we have to give them information mm -hmm. and then they go away in secret and make a decision. Right. And then we have to live by their decision, right? I think it's unfair. We just published an article yesterday that I think uh, people had misleading political ads. We all spin things, right? I think that's fair. But you can't lie in campaigns. You can't lie to the jury because it taints the result. And so on all these campaigns, I've probably designed over 100 mail pieces in my career. Mm -hmm. I don't lie in those. They're aggressive, right? You want to make your person look better than the other person. But I think the one that we published a story yesterday about and more concerning was about the police officers union, I think they misrepresented the the true facts. And we're the only ones that have covered this angle of the story. Well, I mean, you bring up a good point. I, I, I do want to dive into uh, Brenza, uh, but, but, but prior to that, Kevin Faulkner, um, really good guy. I worked for Kevin for a long time. Mm -hmm. That's how I met Juan when Juan was working for uh, David Alvarez. And oh, yeah. David and Kevin were running against each other. That's That's how we met. Kevin didn't have a lot of rules uh, for the people he trusted, you know, the people in his inner circle. Uh, he empowered us, right? Um, he surrounded himself with good, smart people, go-getters, you know. But he always would say, we don't lie. Yeah. You know, we, we, we just don't Th lie. That's how it was with Steve Pease. I, I was a young guy, and he gave me a lot of, you know, they call it portfolio, right? He gave me opportunity to go and write things and do things. He gave me a lot of rope. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. And trust. Right. And and I never abused that. that. I always knew that if, some, if I did something wrong, it was going to be on him, mm -hmm. his yeah, reputation, exactly. not mine. Right. Exactly. But so there was there was a mutual trust. But um, that's what you have to do. Right. You surround yourself by people. But you can't lie. This business has mm -hmm. to be. So you have to a, win it fairly as a publisher, as a as a uh, columnist, as a as a reporter at um, La Prensa. Um, you call a lot of balls and strikes. You have a really good bullshit detector. I was a reporter for a long time and an, and an editor who, 
um, told me a long, long time ago, you know, the, the best tool a reporter could have is a good bullshit detector. I yeah. think you have a really excellent bullshit detector. I've been really impressed um, with um, uh, you, you. You've really become mainstream. I, kn I know that's probably not what you want to hear, <laughs> but <laughs> no, you, you're, 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 your stuff is picked up by Voice of San Diego, by San Diego Union Tribune, by the editorial board at the Union Tribune. They're linking to your coverage oftentimes on Nathan Fletcher on 101 Ash. Um, you are you seem to be very you're, you're a good writer and, and and I liked hearing how that's really tied way back to your your speech roots, which is pretty cool. But you're really I mean, in journalism, you're usually a good reporter or a good writer, rarely both. I think you bring both tools to the table. Uh, you seem to be very well sourced. Like I've read some of your stuff, I'm like, holy shit, this guy's got sources inside City Hall. Yeah, you know. So, so how did, and, and you didn't come up in journalism like a lot of folks come up. You, you, you went a roundabout way. How, how, how? Tell us how you become so well sourced. Well, you know, we have broken a lot of stories, and uh, even stories that your old boss Kevin Faulkner didn't like, because we talked about a meeting that happened in his office where only nine people were there. I wasn't there, right? And they kind of disputed it. Nobody ever said we were wrong. It took a year and a half until people were under oath where the exactly verbatim what we wrote came out. The Jason right. Hughes meeting? Yeah, well, when they decided to do a lease for, versus a purchase. We're talking about 101 Ash. We're talking about 101 Ash. It was a huge story. But Give us a 30-second recap of what 101 Ash is because a lot of it, people listening to this don't know what 101 Ash uh, means. So, so 101 Ash is the address of a building downtown, a 19-story building. The city bought it, ended up being a turd of a building. Um, and uh, it turned out that the broker that was representing the city for free actually got paid millions of dollars and kind of pushed the city That's into that right. deal. Mm -hmm. we, we've broken more stories and guarantee than anybody else. But your question was, how do we get the sourcing, right? Part of it is I happen to, over all these years, know people that end up in interesting positions, and sometimes they don't even admit that they're, they're my friends, right? They were, we're friends off the record, right? And so, but they see things going on in the city and they don't want to be involved in that. But they, they know that if they say something, they'll probably get fired. And so I got documents, I got leads sometimes. Hey, you might want to request this range of dates and People emails, trust right? you. But it's about trust, right? Yeah. Because I, I don't burn sources. Right. And then what happens is now I get anonymous sources. Right. I get emails sent to me, sometimes hard copy in the mail with no return address. And they're saying, you should see this. And, and usually it starts with, I'm sending it to you because you seem to be the only reporter willing to write this. And let me tell you where, where it really comes down to, Tony. It's not just the information. Because Voice of San Diego, the UT, they have good sourcing too. Sure. Right? Part of it is being willing to upset the power brokers in town. Right? I, I always say this. and I, well, I, I wouldn't say that, though. <clears throat> I, I think reporters at Voice and, and UT and other places are willing to do that. But... They have bosses who that's have what, bosses. That's, that's the point. They have bosses <laughs> so who have bosses. I bet right? in that. I bet in, exactly that. I bet in those right. newsrooms. Let and, me tell you, I've yeah. heard from reporters that in these in these local outlets that tell me, I wanted to do a story, but my editor wouldn't let me. Or worse, the publisher. Yeah. Right. And, and, and here's why. I always say this: when people say drain the swamp, and they say you know about politics, the swamp is not made up of only one type of creature. They're not all big with big teeth. There are big ones and little ones, and some fly around, and some are just like gadflies hanging around, right? Right. But they all are in the same ecosystem. And these reporters don't want to burn their access to these mm -hmm. politicians. And so, and, and the publisher doesn't, the editors right? don't, right? Yeah. They kind of, they, 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 they coexist. Let me tell you, I don't coexist, right? Because 
I've been there. I've been to the parties. I don't want to go anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that I want to be hated, but a lot of people dislike our writing. Yeah, that's no, fair. It's that that's I don't fair. care anymore. Yeah, it's right? fair. Because but I don't yeah, need I, their I, approval. And I don't, want all, I don't want editors out there, too, to think um, that, that we're disparaging on no, them. No, because no, there are not. some excellent ones, there are. and there are some editors that go to bat for reporters. I, when I was a reporter, um, one of the stories that I covered got all the way up to Karin Winter, longtime beloved yeah. editor of the San Diego Union Tribune. It was a story about Sheriff Collender's starting to fade mm-hmm. yeah. and should he still be in charge yeah. and I spent a lot of time with him and people around him and I wrote my piece I filed it it hadn't run yet and she started getting calls Karen oh, yeah. started getting calls yeah. not my edit Karen right. started getting calls so she she d- did what you'd expect her to do she called me in we talked about it she looked at my story she talked to me about my sources and she didn't change a word. Yeah, she, she ran it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's tough to do, but but let me tell. You, I'm not disparaging them, but let me tell you, it's because there are. It's not their paper. Yes, right? that's what I was going to say. You're they not the only have bosses paper, here. Right? That now you saw what happened with the San Diego. You, you know, YouTube. Yeah, last I wanted week. to talk to you about that a little bit. These are now entities inside of entities. They own hundreds of newspapers. They're owned by you know mostly yeah. investment funds now, right? Very corporate, bureaucratic. Very corporate. You're yeah. an independent. I, news we make decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And we're willing to, if we get sued, we know that we're going to get sued, right? And in fact, we've sued 11 times for public documents. We're in a big lawsuit in Chula Vista uh, trying to, to get um, police drone videos to be released to the public. We're activist journalists. And so because we make decisions on the spot. And so I have the, the freedom to be able to take on these fights that I'm, I'm not disparaging their decision making. Sometimes it's just not their call. It's above yeah, their yeah. pay grade. No, that's a good point. Right? And back when Karin was in charge, it wasn't a big, giant corporation that owned. That's right. It was the Copley family. Right. The, the, and, you know, you know it, it goes so. all the way back to, you know, whether it's it's the, the Hearst family. Right. Or, um, you know, I mean, you know, Pulitzer, all these, they were used to be owned by individuals right. and families, right? Right. When I got into politics, let me tell you, one of my first jobs working for Peace was to go to the Star News in the morning on Thursdays when it came out. And I stood outside their office when they printed the paper and, put it in the first rack outside. It's like 5.30 in the morning. I'd get the paper, breeze through and see if they hit my boss. And then I'd run across the street to the pay phone at the Jack in the Box, drop a dime. It used to be a dime, Juan, way before you were born. <laughs> it calls were a dime. Dime. Right? He doesn't even know what pay phone is, dude. <laughs> right. Come on. I used to, with there was no cell phones, right? I'd go to the pay phone and I would call my supervisor. He was a guy who I couldn't even call Steve in those days. I, I didn't, wasn't important enough to call Steve directly. I would call my supervisor and say, hey, we're okay. It was that important if the Star News wrote about a politician. Yeah. Let me tell you, the Star News gets thrown on my porch now. I don't yeah. even read it. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So right? the so, state of journalism is, is uh, it's not a good, right? It, it's not. But you know what? It's a huge opportunity for us. That's me, what I was going to ask. Here's so, what changed everything. Podcasts like we're doing. Right. And social media. Right. Internet. 20 years ago, if you if it wasn't in the UT in San Diego, the story didn't exist. Right. When you were there. Right. Correct. It was the paper of record. But more than that, it was the only thing people cared about. Well, the TV stations and everyone would just follow whatever. That's exactly it was right. That the, we, we every, did, the right. U, if it didn't get in the UT, it didn't exist. Right? right. And now we write. If I tweet something right now while we're sitting here, I know that very high level people in San Diego will read it. The power right? of the Internet. Right. And, and so. I, when you talk that about leveled the, UT, the playing field, well, uh, not all the way, but I think here's the mm-hmm. thing that's going to happen with the UT. My prediction is with the new folks that bought it, they have a history of totally decimating little papers. I think they're going to stop printing the daily paper. Well, that's where all their expenses are, right. is in the printing and delivery thing to do. of the paper. But they also have a lot of advertising in the 
I know it, it's a it's just a different so, model. So, so let's mm-hmm. let's it's a different let's, business. Let's play that out. So they stopped delivering the paper. Then we're all equal. Now it's about content and credibility. And so what we've done in the last few years, especially in the last like four years, is build up our credibility through hundreds of articles. We've never had a demand for a correction or retraction ever. I'm sure you've had demands. Oh no, I've had suggestions, and I say, <laughs> I said, well, give me the you know show it. Nobody's ever said we're wrong. They hate it. And they yeah, say, yeah. I'm a jackass. You know what? Yeah. I can be a jackass and be right. Those are not mutually exclusive. Well, let's talk right? about that because I think it's one of the things that differentiates Dear San Diego. It's what are the motivations? A lot of people ask me because I live in that world and we do campaigns. They ask me, so who's paying art? Why is he doing right. this? Why is he attacking me? Right, right. <laughs> and I honestly tell them, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what let me doing. tell you. Why don't you tell Well, them? let me tell you because people do think there's an agenda. We do have an agenda. It's accountability through transparency. I've seen for 34 years in politics that when people don't know what politicians and the government is doing, they can't hold them accountable. They just don't, they simply don't know. And I'll give you one example. We sued two years ago. We found out that there was a secret committee in San Diego of all of the police chiefs. They got together every year the week before Christmas and they doled out federal anti-terrorism funds in secret, literally a secret meeting held in a building where you need a, a clearance to get into, right? It was an FBI building, and nobody knew. Even their council members and their mayors didn't know what they were doing. And what did they buy? Armored personnel carriers and uh, riot gear, surveillance equipment, cameras, drones, right? We found out about it. We did a request for, for documents. They told us to pound sand. And I thought, it doesn't make sense. All my years in politics, these are public officials. This has to be a Brown Act meeting. This has to be a public meeting. Mm-hmm. We sued them over a Brown Act violation, and we won. They now have to have those meetings that used to be in secret. For 16 years, they doled out $260 million in secret. They now have an agendized meeting every year. How did you get catch wind of those meetings? A source a said, source. hey, you know we just bought a, an armored personnel carrier for, for a different police agency. You were like, wait, what? I said, wait, I didn't see it on the agenda of city council. Was, we don't go through city council. <laughs> so, right, one person said one thing to me and led to a lawsuit that yeah. changed the Where's outcome. the most grief come from? Does it come from... The mayor's team, does it come it from does. city council they, they members? Treat me, they does treat me horribly, right? Who? who, who? The, you, not, know, you don't need to name names, but... Well, I mean, Colonel, I'll say because it was public today, right? I mean, the, the mayor's staff, and I've known the mayor since he was, I think, in college. I think he was a college in, uh, volunteer on the Susan Davis campaign. Um, I've known these people a long time. They're mad about the coverage because it's unflattering. Well, it should be unflattering, right? We should be holding these people accountable. It's not unfair. We don't lie. But the things they say to me... The, the for, your old boss, uh, uh, Faulkner, his last uh, spokesperson, another former UT reporter, said I wasn't a real journalist. He said I was a political hack and that La Prensa was a gossip column. And he tweeted those things. And he tweeted those things. And you know what, what it was about? The meeting that has now been confirmed that we reported exactly how it happened, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the mayor's staff the yeah. other day, another former reporter the other day, mm-hmm. tweeted back because I asked to go visit the homeless encampment that they have yeah i went to a press conference with the mayor when it was over i said you're bragging about this thing can i go see it no so we tweeted saying we were not allowed to go the mayor's deputy spokesperson former reporter who used to run an alt weekly who used to run a weekly newspaper tweeted back to me saying this may be hard for you to swallow but you're not special and i saw greg moran a senior reporter at the union tribune come to your defense. And, and, and so did Jeff McDonald, and so did uh, Will Carlos, and Gustavo Solis, because you know what? It's personal. Let me yeah. tell you, none of this that yeah. I write, well, I, I'm going to tell you, everybody can do it. 
it's not personal. Sure, but it feels personal. I, well, sure. I, I've been, and so have you. You've been that staffer. And Todd, of course I, it feels personal. Todd's great. Love Todd. It's a tough job, though. Of course. Um, and I think when these staffers get defensive, at least because I, I used to be that staffer, and occasionally I was communication. So did director. I, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, there was times where I was defensive. Of course. Um, and the mayor didn't know that I was defensive. A lot of times this is just happening in the moment. Yeah. But you feel like you're protecting him. I, I get it. You know? I, I totally and get you feel it. You're targeted, right? From of that course perspective. They do. And, like, and, yeah. So what do you what, how do you handle that type of criticism? I, I go to the press conferences and I smile and I introduce myself and I raise It just I, rolls right off your back. No, here's what let me tell you it is hard to take, right? But we have to continue to do the job or else we we lose out, right? It, so it's uncomfortable. Sure it's uncomfortable. I go to the state of the city address I'm like the skunk at the party, right? You are not. But you have to go and present the flag and show that La Prensa isn't going away. Yeah. Because, like, La Prensa, when I show bought up. it, show up. we're in our 47th year, right? When I bought it, it, was, it had already been around 39 years. I may not have control of La Prensa forever, right? It's not my reputation to destroy. It's not my credibility to destroy. I preserve it. I protect it because it's going to hand off to someone else. And I want La Prince to be here for years after I'm done. Going back to the original, the motivation, right? Because I'm getting sort of a feel that you you see it as sort of like your civic duty in a way, right? You gotta you gotta shine a light on city hall, shine a light on local government. Right. But do you feel, and you've been in politics for a for a long time now, that there's a degradation of politics? If I think back, sure. would somebody have said something about a a local journalist, a local news operation back in the day. No way. No, <laughs> no way. I, no way. It's gotten, you know, it's gotten Trump, you know, yes. Trump style, right? Where the politicians don't talk to each other. When I was in politics early on, what I saw Willie Brown, who everybody, you know, love him or hate him, was the absolute mechanic of politics, right? He understood the game. I was in Sacramento in meetings. I just had this conversation with my old boss, Peace, the other day. Willie Brown would want to pass something, and he knew that there were some members... In, in his caucus, Democrats, that would be damaged by that vote in swing elections or, right, in tough districts. And they used to call it member protection. He said, look, I got to let you off the hook. I know you can't vote on this mm -hmm. bill. So what did Willie have to go do? Go get another Republican vote. Bills used to be passed, unbelievably people who haven't been following, bipartisan votes all the time, bipartisan votes. Mm -hmm. They're not anymore. It's all, it's all, you know, team baseball now, right? Mm -hmm. Someone's got a jersey on, the other guy with a jersey, you don't talk to him. It wasn't like that before. It's become balkanized, right? It's become tribal. Very, and, very and much so. so. What I try to do, let, let me tell you the weirdest thing. I told you I used to be chair of the party. Last month, I got a call from the Republican chair of, of San Diego County, who we're not friends at all, and she invited me to their annual dinner, their Lincoln-Reagan dinner, and they gave me a, an award to La Prensa for our fair coverage. And I said, you're inviting the former Democratic chair to the Republican? <laughs> I wonder why they right. did that. I, said, I asked her, I said, is this a setup? Are you going to throw, throw tomatoes at me? She said, no, honestly, we had a conversation, and your writing, whether we like it all the time or not, is fair. Okay? And so I went. Very uncomfortable. Right? I knew a lot of people there. I saw Kevin Faulkner. I saw Carl DeMaio. I saw people say, what are you doing here? They all know I'm a Democrat. And I said, you're not going to believe this, but watch when they give me an award. <laughs> and they did. Signed by the chairwoman, right? But it was, to me, the reason I went, not to be partisan or political, was because it's proof that we are balanced, right? That we are being fair. That yeah, the, sure. That the I agree. Democratic Party chair 
can get an award from the Republican Party chair. Yeah, right? that so doesn't happen very often. Doesn't happen very but often. But I think your background and your experience really gives you a leg up too. It's not just that you're fair and you're accurate. I think that th those are important things. But look, you 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 didn't come up through journalism school. You weren't a green reporter. You were in the trenches for a long time, working yeah. with some very successful people and some dogfights long before you, you, that's how you cut your teeth. You know, uh, um, when I was a reporter, I used to think that I knew everything, like a lot of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, and then I got to City Hall, and I realized I didn't know shit. Right, right, you know? Right. <laughs> like, because oh, this you know is what? how stuff gets done. Right. You know? And that's what's funny. I used to be on the side where we would say, what are we going to tell the press? Yeah. Right? yeah. And the press thinks they know everything. They don't know everything. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, what, what really helps me understand what's going on is just my personal experience. I used to deliver the UT, actually the T, the Tribune before it merged with the UT, right? When I was in middle school, I used to deliver the afternoon paper on a bicycle, never thinking I'd actually ever own a newspaper. I used to throw the newspaper on a bike for about a year and a half. Um, I never intended to be a journalist. If somebody would have told me 10 years ago that I'd end up being a journalist and actually enjoy it like I do, I would have thought they were nuts because this wasn't my career path. But it really is interesting. I was in the internet business in the 90s, early 90s, when people didn't know what email was, right? 93, 94, 95. Um, I was involved in a marketing company. Uh, I have my own business that's unrelated to politics or anything else that's in the green uh, energy space. I've been doing that for 15 years. That's my real business. That's how I make a living. I, I don't make a living from a pencil. Um, but all of the things I've ever done, the politics, the marketing, the internet stuff, all of that I use every day. So LaPrince is a labor of love? You know, it's a community thing. I, I, I basically preserved it. The original owner, uh, Dan Munoz Sr., was a really incredible uh, man. Uh, he passed away in 93. His son took it over. And his son, in 2015, wanted to retire. And there wasn't a real good way to sell La Prensa. And I was worried it was going to go away. And so I bought it to preserve it. We've grown it. We, yeah. It had no social media presence. But we've turned it into something else. And I just hired a new reporter. I was on the phone with her on the way here. We talk about background. She just graduated. She's a Latina from San Diego, graduated from, got a master's in journalism from Columbia. She's way more qualified to be a reporter than I am, but she's very green. And so I'm trying to bring in some new reporters. Mentor her. And mentor them to mm -hmm. see what this business is really like, what right. we can do with a small paper. What they did to you, what Steve Pease did to you. Yeah, right. I, I've never passed it right. on, right? And so now I've got a 20-something-year-old Latina who... It's beautiful. Maybe she may be the next face of La Prensa in the next fantastic. couple of years. And yeah. so we I have to continue the, the history yeah. here. Yeah. What, what, um, you've, you've covered a lot of really big stories. Um, you've exposed a lot. Um, wh what's the one uh, story that stands out for you and why? That's interesting. I, I think this thing that we're doing, it's not just one story. I think we're doing these stories on, on surveillance. Uh, when I worked with Steve Peace, I left 20 years ago. Cameras okay. you're talking about? Uh, all this stuff, right? Steve P. said in the late 90s that privacy would be the, the civil rights issue of the 21st century. And people thought he was nuts because back then it was mm -hmm. the Internet was new, right? Nice. What's happening uh, now is, and Chula Vista is a perfect example. It's my hometown. I still live there. They're taking uh, body cam videos, drone videos, street cameras, uh, automated license plate readers, and they combine all that information with a Motorola contract. And then Motorola can sell that data on the backside to unknown third parties, right? Yeah. We're losing our, our, our independence, our, our personal data slowly with streetlights and all these things. And I don't think there's enough policy discussion going on about that. So what we did with this police um, a committee two years ago, 
what we're doing now with this big lawsuit uh, in Chula Vista over drone videos, it, it's going to be a national, that lawsuit will have national implications, whether we win or lose, either way. Um, and so I think of these stories that we're doing, the, the one that I think, the ones that have the most power, you know, one on one ash, it's going to come and go. It's a financial thing, right? Um, it's not going to last forever. Doesn't impact everybody like privacy. Privacy, you know, everybody. If, if I was to sit here and tell you that I'm interested in this new e-bike that just came out, um, and my cell phone, my iPhone, was sitting out on the table, more than hundred <laughs> percent, you're going to get an ad. I'm going to get an ad <laughs> on Instagram tonight. No one knows how it works, but it happens. <laughs> no. Yeah. Look, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I read 1984 in 1988. Okay, I remember when I read it, and when we read it, we laughed. Thinking, wow, the Orwell got it so wrong. <laughs> like, like anybody would ever have these microphones in their house, yeah. right? Or Big Brother watching, because it didn't exist in the 80s. We thought it was so absurdly wrong. And it seems like every year, he's more right. Let me tell you, my kids don't even think about it anymore. They've grown up without any privacy. Yeah, right? or, they, or what we all kind of felt, too, like after Nixon got caught, no one would ever think to do that. That's right. right? No, no, no. It, it, it's it, called the opposite direction. Who would have ever thought that we'd, put, we'd post our own stuff or we'd buy an Alexa in our house that listens to us all day long? Think about how crazy it is, right? Yeah, we don't do so, Alexa. I know, I don't reason. do Hell no, I don't do that. I'm afraid about my phone. So, so you know, this privacy issue, it's not, you know, the Prince can't solve it. But there are things happening here locally. Chula Vista, San Diego just are now approving the smart, what they call uh, smart streetlights. Right. They all have cameras, right? Right. In 2017, I wrote an article when they passed that program, and the staff of the city told me, oh, no, we don't use those cameras. They're in there. They have an optical sensor, but we didn't buy that part of the program. You know what? They lied. They did use it. And then and they got caught. They had to create a policy, but it was only because they got exposed. The license plate reads in Chula Vista, only because they got exposed. Let me so, ask you this, Art. Um, are you ever scared? Are you ever scared about backlash? Yes. I'm from Tijuana. Yes. You know how it goes in Mexico. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, if I wrote the things in Mexico that I write here, yes. I'd be you dead. You wouldn't be with us. Right, right. The guys from Seta have paid the yes. price, right? Yes. It is dangerous. My mom, who still treats me like a kid, always says, I should stop writing these articles, right? And I used to tell her, Mom, they don't kill people here. Well, last year, a politician killed a reporter in Las Vegas over one bag of article that made the guy lose his election. Well, it was it's like not a, just that. It's right? not just the threat of exactly. violence, but there's other ways that people get, they can mess with your business, Absolutely. they can mess with your family. They can right. plant drugs on your car. I, I, I am worried about that, Tony. I, I take it very seriously. Um, and, you know, I don't like, I don't get any personal joy out of writing these stories. That, you know, people that have lost elections because of the things that we've written, I, I don't think directly, but impacted their election, right? Somebody who didn't get appointed in Chula Vista to a, to a city council you know, thinks it is because of something we exposed. Right. Um, yeah, but what are, we, what are we going to do? You have three kids. I have four kids. Four kids. No, they're all teenagers. Right? They're all teenagers. And what, what, and what do you tell them that you do? Uh, they know. They, they read it. My, my son, who's now in college, uh, was on the school newspaper. My, my now senior daughter is on the newspaper staff. Everybody at the newspaper knows what I do. One of her friends wants to be an intern. Um, they read these stories, and they, I think they're proud of the fact that it's informative mm -hmm. and that nobody ever says that we lied. Right? That, that's important. Mm -hmm. It's important to do. And, and that's what the, this article we did yesterday. So what I pass on to my kids is I have a unique situation. Not unique, right? I have a weird situation. I was involved in politics early. I got a, an, an inside look. I now think that this is a better use of my experience and background 
to better inform the community than to run one or two campaigns. I used to run campaigns every season. I loved, I miss it so much. Uh, and there are campaigns that I watch that I think I would have done differently, right? But I gave it up because I thought it was more important to go and inform the community on all kinds of issues. And I, I enjoy it more than I ever thought. Uh, I write more than I ever expected I would. Um, it's not easy work. It's, it takes a lot of work. Tony, you, you've been there. Mm. It takes a lot of work to put these stories together and to get it right. Um, but I'm enjoying it a lot, and I hope to do it for a little bit longer and then find some other me that can <laughs> that can take it on. Well, Art, you're the, obviously a high performer. You're obviously a high performer. Um, what do you think was the number one thing? You talked a little bit about going from an introvert to sort of like extroverting yourself in a way, right? But what actual thing did you have to do, if any, some people just get it natural, to make that change, either from introvert to extrovert or whatever makes you perform on a day-to-day -day basis to be able what you did and what you've done in your lifetime, what would be your secret? Let me tell you, people always say it's better to be lucky than good, right? I think I've had incredible luck. But I think if you asked you know, Steve Peace and Cheryl Cox and Chula Vista, Cheryl Cox was my fourth grade teacher. Mm -hmm. I later ran her two campaigns for mayor. A Republican, isn't it? A Republican. I took a lot of heat for running a Republican. I've known her since I was nine years old, right? Um, you ask her, her husband, Greg Cox, who I obviously have known the whole time too, right? I would say without saying it in a brag, you know, bragging way, I outwork people. I work really hard. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the, the toughest guy in the room. Uh, I work really hard. I enjoy what I do. When I worked for peace for 13 years, I never saw it as a job. I saw it as a paid education. Every day I learned something I didn't know the day before. Right? Yeah, that tracks because a good it, reporter is never a lazy reporter. Right. It, it, You're well-sourced because you work hard. It, it's hard work. I, I have a thirst for knowledge. Let me yeah. tell you, on the side, of, we joked about it before, I fly airplanes. It's a humbling experience to put yourself in this little contraption in the air, right? I had to go learn to do that in my 40s. And one of my instructors was like 22-year-old, red-headed, uh, you know, freckled girl, you know, who was like my kid's age. And she knew everything and I knew nothing. Mm -hmm. It was a humbling experience to put myself in that situation. Uh, but I have a thirst for knowledge. I love learning about aviation. I love learning about science. Um, I just work hard. I, I know it doesn't look like it from afar. People think I'm just... No, hanging out. I wouldn't say that. It, it's a, it's a, and you're, it's you're, a work you have ethic. a sports background, and 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 your kids, one of them, yeah. was was a, a pretty good soccer player. Yeah, soccer I think. player for a long and, time. And 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 there's a, the work ethic is very important in athletics. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, put in the work. You hear that a lot from coaches. Put in the work. Keep putting in the work. I, I take the personal criticism. People don't like our stories, or they say I'm a jackass. You know, they don't have to like me, but I don't think anybody ever says I didn't work hard. Nobody ever says I don't try to, to get it right. And that's the only thing we can do. Right? I do it day in, day out. I get up in the morning. I never wake up in a bad mood. I got to tell you, this yeah. what you see, this personality, this is it. I, I, I got one face, right? Like Abraham Lincoln said, if I was two-faced, would I use this one? Yeah, one face and no, <laughs> one face and no gray hair. I like. <laughs> it. I got a couple, of, a couple of grays. And I got a lot more than you. Oh <laughs> uh, no! So yeah, th this is what we do. You know, this is weird for me because I never talk about my background in La Prensa. People just assume I'm a journalist. Um, this is interesting to talk about where it comes from. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm glad you guys want to do this. I appreciate Beautiful. it. And can we do a quick, just rapid questions? Yeah. Rapid questions. All we'll right. go through them. We want to see sort of like, what do you do on a daily Wait basis? Wait a minute. This <laughs> okay. is not on the agenda. <laughs> All right. Hit me. A surprise. What time do you wake up? Six o'clock or so. What time do you go to sleep? Late. Midnight, one o'clock. Oh, wow. Six, five hours of sleep. Uh, I'll show you a, a screen grab I did last night. 
Um, there's a song, a Chicago song, 25 or 6 to 4. Yeah. 2506 to yeah. four. I took a screen grab last Sitting night. Cross-legged on the That's me I when I'm that I was writing an article last night. I took two screen grabs. One at 25 to 4 and one at 26 to 4. Dang. <laughs> so I went to bed at about 5 o'clock wow. last night. Do you notice a difference between when you sleep four hours versus when you sleep eight in yeah. your performance? I, I'm getting too old for this. When I was in my 20s, I could do a two-day you know, all-nighter. Mm-hmm. And now I do. I could do it. And then I'm hurting for like four days. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what else you got? These questions Sorry. are good. I like these. Red or green chilaquiles? Oh, definitely green. 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 Interesting. I like Christmas style. <laughs> <laughs> Combined. With, with, yeah. ne- with an egg on top. Uh, with an egg uh, on top. Gotta be. <laughs> coffee or tea? None. None. I, I, don't, I drink very little caffeine. No coffee ever. Huh. I'm, I'm this hyped up without coffee. Imagine me on coffee. <laughs> okay. So you are lucky do, then. You're, you're right. Bulls. You're lucky. I don't do Red Bull. I don't do, I don't do caffeine. Huh. Very low. Interesting. Gym or no gym? Uh, mostly running and, and exercise. I do a thing called, <laughs> I hope I never use this. Uh, it's called the prisoner's workout. Mm-hmm. Right, the, the inmate workout. Push-ups. It's everything pull-ups. you could do inside of a inside of a prison cell because I travel a lot. Uh-huh. So I do it in the hotel rooms, right, with a chair. You know, uh, body how often weight, do you do like that, that workout? Four or five days a week. Do you really? Yeah, Good really for you. Do. How many? How many? What are the reps like? What are the exercises like? Uh, sit-ups, push-ups, um, uh, kneeling 20, things. Twenty-minute workout. Uh, yeah, 20, 30 minutes. I, I also ride a bike. I've been riding my bike in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Good job. Street I mean, bike like, or mountain bike? No mountain bike on the street mountain though, bike. but. Uh-huh. You know what's weird? I my, mean, you look good. You look like my yeah. weight doesn't change. I've, I, people see me ten years later, like you look exactly. Like, I really haven't changed much. <laughs> Low metabolism, high metabolism. High metabolism. I eat a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy food. Beautiful. My, my, <laughs> at, ba- uh, baseball or football? You know, I, I like them both, um, but, but I'm not. I don't go to a lot of them, but I enjoy baseball games, even though they're slow and they're long. I just yeah. like the the yeah. strategy. Remote or office job? Remote. I, I, I've been a lot more successful since COVID. Uh, it fits my, my personality better. Yep. I agree. Morning person or night owl? I think you already am. Both. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately. A little bit of both. <laughs> Any supplements that you take? Uh, bourbon or vodka? <laughs> Tequila. Oh, yeah. oh, you missed the important one. Mezcal all mezcal, the time. Mezcal. Which one do you prefer, actually? Tequila or mezcal? No, mezcal, yeah. Mezcal. Yes, I prefer mezcal, too. Yeah. I, I can do shots, but I, I really like to enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, <laughs> any supplements that you take? Like not really. I I, I, I eat pretty healthy. Uh, I'm, I'm never on the diet. I eat, but I stay away from bad stuff. Food is the best supplement, they say. Right. Meditation, any sort of it. Meditation or no meditation. I'm going to tell you my meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, for the past 25 years, I've either been a skydiver or a pilot, mm-hmm. and that's my meditation time. There, there's no better focus than not wanting to yes. die. Yes. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> when I used to jump out of airplanes, I did that for a long time. That's um, a quote of the day right there. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing to focus your attention. I just don't want to die, right? It, it takes so much concentration on the thing you're doing that it pushes right. everything else out of my mind. All those little thoughts in oh, your God. head, all those preoccupations. Work and everything. Got, let me tell you, uh, this past, um, what is today? On uh, Monday, I, I went out flying, mm-hmm. and I had a little quasi-emergency. I had to do an emergency landing. Uh, I diverted when, while flying by myself. I landed at 29 Palms out in the middle of the desert. Got my attention really quick. Nothing else was on my mind but putting that airplane down. Yeah. Um, so when I land or when I get out of a, both either landed as a skydiver or landed as an airplane, my mind is so clear. It's like for the, like the next hour, it's just a euphoric feeling. I think part of it is the endorphins and the, 
the stress, well, right? But you're right, because like you stop focusing on those little things, those little nagging things yeah. that sometimes prevent you from being happy, right? And you just get down from that. It makes all those little things look what that like what they are, right? Well, when it, little things. When everything is life and death, mm-hmm. then the, exactly. the little things don't matter anymore, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, what is a bill? If I, if so it's not that I ignore them. It just pushes it out of my mind. Exactly. And that's, that's the concept of meditation. Well, thank you very much. Anything we didn't cover that you want to... No, this was great. I, I appreciate it. And, you know, I hope people follow what we do. Um, you know, we're online all the time. We're on social media. Yeah, give us that uh, web address. How do people get a hold of you? How do people find what, your uh, website? Right, so the website is laprensa.org. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on all those. We, we tweet a lot. Um, you know, sometimes it's controversial. Uh, we tweeted the other day. We get thirty or 40,000, uh, you know, uh, views on our, on our stuff sometimes. It's it's a good way to communicate, but I encourage people to follow us and, you know, call us out. If somebody thinks we did something wrong, uh, call us out. We don't want to be wrong. If we got something wrong, we're human and we'll fix it. Uh, but it's never in a personal way. It's never vindictive. Uh, we're really trying to do the right thing. And I hear you're also trying to start a podcast. Uh, I have a podcast, but I don't talk about myself on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the first time I've ever been the subject of it. So I, I appreciate this, guys. And, you know, good luck on your podcast. And, you know, keep doing what you do. People should know what's going on and, and who's out there. Well, thank you, and thank you for coming on, dear San Diego. It, it is a platform for newsmakers like yourself, not just to talk about the news, but but to let folks know who you are. You know who you are away from uh, La Prensa, and you know what's what what motivates you. And uh, you know, do you prefer tequila, bourbon, or vodka? <laughs> <laughs> the important stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't smoke either. No cigars. No nothing. Nothing. No, I, 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 I'm kind of boring. <laughs> well, your writing, is not, yeah. your writing is not boring. <laughs> That's true. Thank you, Art, very much for coming on. Right, Thank you, Art. Good seeing you. you guys. Thank you. So what you think? I like him. I mean, I you know, we've met a couple times, usually at political fundraisers and, and those sorts of things. Uh, and But so the conversations are, you know, five, ten, ten minutes, other people around. Uh, so I never really sat down and talked to him for an extended period of time before today. Um, and he's a good dude. He's honest. He's affable. Um, I've, I've been a fan of his writing for a while now. And I've really, I really liked seeing, uh, like I told him, you know, mainstream is probably the wrong word, but I really like seeing the ascent of him and, and, and the paper uh, under his leadership and I know he's controversial. And I know not everybody likes him or agrees with him, but he does he does good work. He's a straight shooter. He's a straight shooter ever since I met him. I think he's a straight shooter. Very mysterious guy in terms of um, who he is, like what's behind the curtains, right? That's why I think this 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 episode was interesting. Um, but I I feel like, and I think it started like a few years ago, he just started coming out with these breaking stories, breaking story after breaking story after breaking story. And the important thing, I think, is that not only is he breaking stories, he's breaking stories that other news outlets don't seem or tend to break, right? So it shows his courage. It shows his valor. I think he told us a little bit. I mean, he, he gets to have that benefit. It's not... Um, talking bad about the other reporters out there. He just has that control, right? Because he owns that part of the business. And I think what he's doing is important business. And I was frankly fascinated by some of the stuff, what drives him. And especially yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good circum- set of circumstances for him because he is, the buck does stop with him. So he doesn't have to report to these corporate overlords. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, it, it also comes at a time 
when um, you know newspapers and newsrooms in general are being cut to the bone. Um, like he said, there's a lot of people in those newsrooms that are well sourced, but do they uh, do they the folks that are left do they have the autonomy to report like he does? Not mm-hmm. not not all the time. Um, and you know what it is. It's like because what I was saying, like about hearing, like like who's he in debt to? Why is he doing this? Is he like? I think it's hard for people in the bubble who obviously have agendas within politics to understand people who I think he sees it as a civic duty. He didn't say it explicitly like that, but I think he sees it as something that he's got to do because no one else. Yeah, is and carrying the, the torch South. of La Prensa, yes. I think he thinks that that's important to him and 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 the community that he represents. I mean, he's a leader in that community, mm-hmm. and he did not want to see that paper falter. Um, so I th- I think I think that paper means a lot to him. Um, it comes through, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that um, he, he, look, I used to be a, a reporter. Um, you do catch a lot of shit, you know. Um, what tracked for me was, because he is a good writer. I, I, I like the story about the speech, uh, um, the, the work there that he yeah. did with Steve's mom. I thought that was really cool and how he traces that to his writing now. But 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 what I've really always respected and admired about him is his not so much his writing. He's a good writer, but his reporting. And so what tracked for me was when he when we when I think you asked him like, what's the one piece of advice? What what what? And, he, and, and it really for him was about hard work. And and to be a mm-hmm. good reporter, you have to work hard. You cannot be a good reporter if you're lazy. And that he's, he's not lazy. Right, exactly. And it's like, I think he's an investigative reporter. It's yeah. almost like he's an investigator, right? He follows the leads. He yeah. calls the people. He starts hearing, I think you called it during the podcast, He's he's got a great bullshit detector. Yeah. And, and, I've and seen he's not him. a nine to five reporter. Yes, I can guarantee exactly. you if somebody texts him at 10 p.m. with a tip, he's not ignoring that. Oh, yeah. You know, he's responding right away, which was one of the things that surprised me. The most, because I think sleep is one of the most important. In, in my, I yeah, he's before, he's he's awake a lot, sleeping like four hours, dude. <laughs> I was like, how does he do it? Right? I've discovered that for me, the best supplement I can take sleep. is a good night's sleep. Yeah. I lit. I can literally feel the difference within me, in my mood, in my performance when I when I'm operating on five hours versus eight hours. So after this podcast, I'm gonna have a conversation with him and tell him to you got to sleep a little bit more. Art, stop following those leads and let's get you in at twelve. Yeah. See, for me, it's exercise, and I don't I don't exercise enough. Um, it's I I do at certain times. I'll, I'll go on a nice run for nine, 10, 11 months, mm-hmm. but then I'll I'll fall off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I but I when I exercise. And it's not a 60, 90 minute type thing. It's 30, 40, 45 mm-hmm. minutes. And it's not even every day. It's three, four times a week. When I'm in that in that zone, I feel better. I sleep better. I work better. Mm-hmm. My thoughts are clear. I don't feel uh, stressed. Agreed. Uh, you know, so sleep for you, exercise for me. Agree. And, and I think like, I think the eating healthy part is not because a lot of us take supplements, all that. Yeah. I mean, the guy eats a chicken salad at a sandwich place. <laughs> What's this healthier than that? Right, right. Yeah. Right. Well, that was good. I, I really like that. I really like that interview with him, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to some other folks. Yes, I do. Good stuff. I like I wasn't expecting the rapid fire. That was cool. I think I think it opens up, like, it's questions that we're not going to get to, right? That are yeah, not yeah, like, yeah. But it's like it tells you a little bit more about what they are, their daily habits, all that good stuff. I think yeah. it's something interesting that we're going to be doing, like, in the next podcast. That's a nice touch. Good, good job. 
So thanks again to Art and thank you, Juan, my co-host. Thank you, listeners, for listening to Dear San Diego. We'll be back next time. Thanks for listening to Dear San Diego. Be sure to follow and subscribe whenever you listen to your podcasts. To read the blog associated with this episode, visit olasmedia.com. This episode was produced in studios located in San Diego, California, and Tijuana in Baja, California. Ulysses Breton is creative director. Our sound engineer is Alan Glespar. Lena Alvarez is co-producer serving as executive producer and co-founder is J.C. Polk. And Chad Peace is president and co-founder. Olus Media is an IVC media company. Olas Media. Dear San Diego's media partner is timesofsandiego.com. Timesofsandiego.com, Juan, has 700,000 readers a month. 700,000 readers a month? Thousand. You got anything that you produce that gets 700,000 eyeballs? I have. Not at the <laughs> moment. Not at the moment. Um, and it's only, so it's only a digital news site, right? Correct. It's uh, online only. They've never mm-hmm. printed um, their product. And uh, that's really um, the editor and publisher there, Chris Genowine. Mm-hmm. That's what he'll tell you is one of their keys to success is uh, they're not wedded to the printed product like some of these legacy media organizations because print is 75% of your costs. You know, I respect local news sites like that a lot, right? They don't have the funds, they don't have the money that the bigger organizations, the bigger publications have. I think they do it out of vacation. They do it out of a feel of community. So I respect them a lot. I support them. I think our listeners should support them too. Absolutely. Times of San Diego is the only publication in Southern California that's featured on Google Showcase. Um, and because Chris, I, he's he's a smart guy. He understands that my publication provides the content, but we're not the digital advertising whizzes that Google and Facebook are. So he's 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 leaned in to this digital universe where some of these legacy media organizations have not. Go to timesofsandiego.com, support local news, support timesofsandiego.com.